Romans the 6th chapter, reading from the 11th verse through the 13th verse. Before we start reading, let me look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know about you. I am serving God better. In the month of May, I am serving God better. The Bible says in the 11th verse of the 6th chapter of the book of Romans, the Bible says, likewise, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord verse 12 says therefore do not let sin don't permit sin to reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its strong desire in its loss thereof And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. My concern tonight, even though I'm going to touch one or two things from the 11th verse, if I have time, but tonight I just want to, this is one of those messages with one point. I just want to drive one point home. And it's in verse 13. Even though I do not promise that it's a short message. The Bible says, do not present yourselves or your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Lift up your right hand with me and say after me, Father. Open my eyes tonight. Let me hear beyond what pastor will say. Let me hear beyond what he will say. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Jesus was talking about demons one day and he started to talk about demonology. And he says, if a demon is cast out of a human being, the demon goes for a while and then when it comes back to inspect from afar and sees an empty space it doesn't just come in it goes to invite some of the other demons that have been cast out of other people and invite them lest what happened the first time should happen again it goes to bring them to fortify itself and bring more to come and be perfected on the inside of that person. What does that teach us? That God does not expect any Christian to be on the fence. When he takes you out of something, it is because he wants to take you into another thing. God does not want you to be in a limbo or to be hanging at a neutral ground. Anytime you get out of something, always plug in into another. Because if you do not do that, you just place yourself as a victim for the unfruitful work of darkness. In Exodus chapter number 3 and verse 8, Exodus chapter number 3 and verse 8, God said, I have heard the cry of my people. And because I have heard the cry of my people, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I have come down. Somebody sit down. And I have, I have come down and to bring them up. Somebody say up. From that land to a good land, 
and a large land, and to the land that is flowing with milk and honey, and to the place of the Canaanites, and the Etites, and the Parasites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. So God says, I've come to bring them out. Look at the next verse, verse 9. And therefore, behold, now, God is saying, I've come to bring them out. Let's read from verse 6. Verse 6 is very interesting. Verse 6, glory be to God. Praise the Lord. He said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Look at the next verse, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people, who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry, because of their taskmaster, and I know their sorrow. Because of these, I have come down, and then to take them up, and then to take them out, and then to take them into a land. Did you catch that? I've come to take them out, I've come to take them up, I've come to take them into a land. The Bible says it took us out of deep poverty and took us into a wealthy place. God doesn't just take you out of something to leave you to, to, to hang out. He takes you out of something to take you into another. Can somebody shout hallelujah? So a lot of people have learned how to live a morally sound life. And you don't even need to be a Christian to be able to live a morally sound life. And I'm not knocking that off. That is a very good virtue that we all need to continually develop in ourselves. But there's a great dichotomy, there's a, great, there's a yawning gulf between a moralist and a Christian. A moralist is someone who don't do negative things. I mean, there are lots of negative things they don't do. And some of them, a huge chunk of them, are not necessarily Christian. Some of them are Muslim, some of them are atheists. But they wouldn't just do some things. But if you watch such people, they're just uh, the type that just abhor negative things. But the difference between them and Christianity is that Christianity takes you out of the negative thing and plugs you directly into another thing. It's not enough not to do it, but what are you now doing to impact your generation? What are you now doing to impact your, 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 your country? What are you now doing to impact your family? Today I was studying about hell and heaven. And what dawned on me is, how will you ever be happy in heaven if your loved one, you realize whilst you're in heaven, that your loved one is in hell? That's the difference between Christians and morally sound people. We are not only excited that we have left the world, we are plugged into pursuit of righteousness and also impacting our generation and blessing a lot of people by dragging them also. The Bible says, if a man is in Christ, is a new creation, all things have passed away, all things have become new. And all things are of God, who has also given us what? A word of reconciliation to reconcile other people back to God. And it says, you are ambassadors of Christ. Can somebody shout hallelujah? You are not only, all things are not only new, you've not only been yanked of darkness, you are now being given the ministry of reconciliation to go and reach out to other people as ambassadors of Christ. That's the difference between those who don't do negative things and Christians. Christians not only don't do it, they also reach out to other people with their lifestyle, with a message, they, they, they bend over backwards, they get out of their comfort zone to reach out to other people because if you just come out of something and you don't plug into a new thing, you're going to be right back there. And I didn't expect you to get me. Repentance requires two major, major, major things. It requires the negative and the positive. It means you've broken up from something and you have embraced another. 
You've broken out from something and you've embraced another. If you are telling me, Pastor Biodo, I've stopped going to the club. What are you doing now? Pastor Biodo, I don't, I don't dance to secular music any longer. God has delivered me from that. What do you now do? I don't drink beer again. I don't do drugs again. What do you now do? To replace it, what do you do? Because God doesn't take you out of something without plugging you into another. Because he understands that principle that the devil will come back. And that's the major reason why a lot of people slip right back into what they claim they've been delivered from. Because you were not created. Listen, nothing was made to survive in a vacuum on the face of the earth. If you don't fill it with something, demons will fill it with something. If you're not busy, the enemy will use you. If you're not panting after God, you will pant after something else. There is no gray area, there is no neutral area. Who says hallelujah to that? And so what you turn from is not as important as what you turn to. What, do you, what have you turned from? Okay, we thank God for that. How I know you have a consistent deliverance and a permanent deliverance is when I look at what you have turned to. Can somebody shout hallelujah? God says, I've taken them out of bondage to take them into another place. The Bible says, you it delivered from the power of darkness. It delivered you from the power of darkness. Scripture doesn't stop there. It says, and it translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. If I see that you're not functioning in the kingdom of his dear son, it's just a matter of time. You will slip back to where you are heading from, you are coming from. You will slip back because nothing just happens like that. It's heartbreaking, it's heartbreaking to God how that your zeal was so much for partying, for clubs, for cults, for, for several sects you belong to as an unbeliever. And now you are a Christian and you are lethargic, you are cavalier. You watch things go on. You are the type that complain in church. You are the type that complain this is not there, that's not there. With all the gifts God has given to you. With all the saccharine delights you have, you have, you have consumed in Egypt. With all the bricks you, have built to, you built for Pharaoh on the other side. You come to the kingdom and become a murmurer. You are waiting and watching things happen. You talk and talk is cheap. Anybody can talk. As a matter of fact, most of us that glory in the fact that we, we, there's no evil around us, which is fantastic, please don't play down on that. Because it's your greatest security. For it's, the, it's the best way to shut the devil out of your family if you live straight. Most of them don't do nothing. And it's very dangerous not to do nothing. Somebody said, look at my leg. Never been wounded before. You know why? You never played football. I've never even heard the sound of a bullet before. You never went to war. God is not so excited that you have left that kingdom if he has not seen you. How many of you can picture the children of Israel? A, the Red Sea opened into two and they crossed over to the other side. They sang a new song, they were excited. But do you feel God was excited about those who came out of Egypt as much as those who entered the promised land? There's a place God is taking you to. And He wants you to be in pursuit of it. Can somebody shout hallelujah? So if we have stopped displeasing, if we have stopped the things displeasing to God, we have to channel the energy now to things that are pleasing to God. And I, I, anything I say, I just want to show you a scripture for it. First Thessalonians chapter number 1 verse 9. Look at the salvation of the church, church in Thessalonica. 
The Bible says, For they themselves, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you. How you turned to God from idols. You turned from idols and then you turned to serve the living and the true God. It's not enough to turn from idols. There are people who don't just like the, the concept of idols. They, they, they are from such family, but because they traveled abroad, they don't like how dirty the thing is. They don't like how that thing is done. And they said, no, 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 no. I don't just want to be part of that. Like there was a priest in my hometown who didn't believe in jazz. And he would say it publicly. But in the evening, we'll go and drink palm wine. It was a priest. He would drink palm wine with people and, you know, play your game with people. And they say, hey, sir, you don't believe in that? They say, yes, there's nothing like that. It's all right. So they waited for him to go and urinate. And they used a diabolical pin to puncture the spot where he urinated after taking palm wine. That was the last time he urinated for, for weeks. So when he was shouting, hey guys, ah, but you said you didn't believe in jazz. And the man changed his mind and began to say, ah, God deal, but jazz deal. Your philosophy will be warped. Your mindset will be warped. You'll be the type that will say, are we really, really sure of this Bible? Because you, you left something, but you didn't plug into the living God. Who is, am I making sense to someone here? That's the difference between morality and Christianity. Tap your neighbor and say, I'm going to impact my world. Can I enjoy you tonight? Don't preach me down. Say, I, I'm going to impact my world. Come on, somebody. Walk with me tonight. Say, I'm going to impact my world. Can somebody shout hallelujah? I can give you several examples in the Bible. Look at the young rich ruler. The young rich ruler. Some of them are not exactly like this priest. Some of them are really religious. They go to church. Some of them have positions in church. Some of them claim to be born again. Jesus looked at the young, young rich ruler who came to him with a question. He said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He wasn't talking about going to heaven. He was talking about a good quality life on earth. Eternal life is I know is the way. God kind of life on the face of the earth. Experiencing heaven on earth as though you're in heaven. That was what Jesus preached. So he's never heard that message before among the scribes and the Pharisees. Even though he was a young rich ruler, he was a Pharisee, a young guy who had read the Torah and then he made money early in life. And then when he came to Jesus and said, how can I inherit this eternal life? I cannot believe in this thing you're sharing. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He said, you know the law. You know what the law says? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and quoted the law for him. The man looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, you know all things. If I'm lying, you know. I have done this from when I was young. And Jesus Christ introduces this concept that I'm sharing with you to him. Now, it's not just enough to have broken away from evil and be doing these things. I want to take you further to impact your world, to make a difference, to embrace God. He's taking you out of something. You need to embrace something new. Go and sell all that you have. Impact the poor. Then carry your cross. Follow me. Let's take the ministry to another level. There was, <laughs> from that moment, that relationship was severe because the guy could not handle it. He's broken up for something. He's never done evil from when he was young. He's done right. But he could not impact his own. That day, that guy missed the opportunity of having his name 
Apart from the exploits he would have done on the face of the earth. Because the only people Jesus made that statement to carry your cross and follow me were the apostles of the Lamb. The twelve apostles of the Lamb. Those guys, in heaven when we get there, we will see pillars at the right hand of the Father. Twenty-four pillars. Twelve pillars naming the names of the twelve tribes of Israel and the twelve disciples, we call them the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Their names will be there. There will be Peter's porch. There will be a porch for, for the Judites. For, you know, you will see it there. That guy missed it. His name would have been enshrined on the pillars of heaven for life. Not just because he abode evil and lived right, but he did not see how that is living ought to impact other people. Can somebody shout hallelujah? That's the difference between religiosity and Christianity. I've been in taxis before when I was an unbeliever. And I would see some person who doesn't wear earrings, who doesn't plate her hair very well, and then they sit at the other edge and look at me. Probably I was smelling of booze. Coming from a party. And then they would look at me like, hmm, hmm, sinner. Is that the mentality God wants you to have? When I was on campus for many years as an unbeliever, when I became a Christian, I was like, where are Christians? I never noticed them until I became a Christian. We had two gates in my school. They used to take the second gate. You only saw them during holidays because they don't go home. Everything happening on campus, they, they, were, they, was, they, were, they were alienated from it. The places where you will see unbelievers, they will never be there. If you dare be in their room, they will relocate their room to the room of another brethren. And they were strange even the way they walked. No exploits. But they don't sin. And one of the major reasons why they don't get exposed is because they don't do exploits. They don't do nothing. They, all, they only wake up, read their books, ostracize from everything going on. Is that God's plans for us? God doesn't want us isolated. God wants us insulated. He wants us to make impact in our generation. The moment you go on air and start preaching, you are a threat. The devil knows that you are teaching people how to raise their head. The moment you succeed, you are showing other people they can also raise their head. So the devil is trying to hit your head down. So there will be attack. If you are so morally sound, there could be an attack on your child. There could be an attack on your ministry. So people look at churches and say, ah, there's no attack on this church. This church is pleasing God. Oh, this person is this, this person is that. Listen, if you dare encroach on the devil's territory, be ready for war. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Can somebody shout hallelujah? Tap your neighbor and say, it's dangerous to do nothing. Find a new neighbor. Say, new neighbor, if you are going to serve God better, you must learn how to, to embrace the new. Remember the guy that was giving one talent? When this master came back, looked at the one with the five, looked at the one with the two, and this guy said, well, I buried this one because I was afraid to offend you. I wanted to live holy. I was afraid. I didn't want any bad news about me. I didn't want anybody to say anything about me. I buried it. The master should, the master should have said, oh, you fear me. Oh, well, that's good. Come, come. He said, you are wicked. You are so much bothered about what somebody will say about you, what somebody feels about you, because the moment you become a leader, you become a dustbin. If you are born again and you don't preach to people, people will like you. You know what they will say? 
we like you. You, you are not a fanatic. Like that other brother. You, I mean, you, we smoke, you hang around us, and then you, you start feeling cool. Jesus says, if everybody likes you, they want you. That's part of the sufferings of Christ. You should be ready for people to tell you, <laughs> you are the one preaching yesterday. Anything, they blackmail you. Your family members. Later now, you carry Bible, you go to Koza. Is that what Koza is teaching you? Until they have said that to you, you've not started. You must be willing to take such abuse and yet go on. You know why? Because they said worse things to your master. They spat at him. Bible says they pulled his beard. They pulled it out. They made a funny crowd and said, here comes the king of the... He just kept going. What God is asking you to do is not bringing out blood and yet you are running away from it. That is why 21st century Christians are not receiving the kind of reward they ought to receive. Why do you need more money? For the assignment. Why do you need another car? For the assignment. Why do you need health? For the assignment. It says, if you serve me, I will bless your food and your water, take sickness and disease away from you. But you have refused to serve God. Because you are afraid of what someone will say. You want to dwell in safe zones. And that's one of the major things. Is because you're just bothered about going to heaven, which is fantastic. But little have you realized that even when we get to heaven, our walk will be tested. Bible says some people's walk will burn like grass. Because all they did all their lives were to please people. But there are people who bent over backwards, who stuck their necks for the things of the kingdom. There's a story written by Josephus I read. I shared it with some, some people. This is not written in the Bible. They said Peter, when the persecution was so much, Nero was persecuting Christians in Rome. He picked up his, he picked up his luggage and was checking out. Checking out of Jerusalem. He was running. And the story says that Jesus met him at the gate of Jerusalem. I said, Peter, where are you going? Peter said, instead of answering, he asked the Lord question. He said, Lord, why are you here? Where are you going? And the Lord Jesus said to Peter, I'm going back to Jerusalem. He said, for what? He said, I want to go back to Golgotha to be crucified. Since you are running away, the first Pope of the world is running away. I'm going back to be crucified again. And Peter begged the Lord according to the history. And the Lord Jesus went back and he went back and he was arrested. And they were going to crucify Peter like the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter begged that they should crucify him upside down to give the Lord Jesus Christ the honor. As his blood touched the ground. Because there's something about the blood of the saints. What you don't know is that the more they talk about you, the more anointed you are. The more they talk about you, the more they badmouth you and malign you, the more the favor of God is upon you. The Bible talks about Rachel and Leah. Bible says when the God saw that Rachel was hated, he opened a womb after the service. Whoever persecutes you for the Lord's sake, not because of your sin, not because of your mistake, not because of your foolishness, but because you love Jesus Christ. Persecuted at work, persecuted in the family, I prophesy that something new opens up for you. In the name of Jesus. God will make you stand out in Jesus' name. You must know that you are blessed when you are hearing such things about you. Particularly if it is on the account that you love the Lord. So Christianity is pursuing the right living and impacting your world at the same time. Now let me say this to you. This is one of the best, best definitions I've ever heard. It is turning from all that you know of your sin to give as much as you know of yourself to God. 
turning from all that you know of your sin because there are sins you don't know of as much as you know of your sin turning from all all that you know of your sin to give as much as you know of yourself to God not only turn from it you must switch to give all that is remaining to God can somebody shout hallelujah now I didn't expect you to get me I prepared for you Romans chapter 6 verse 13 I said all of that to explain Romans 6 13 the Bible says and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin look up everybody look at me now here's Apostle Paul the Holy Ghost speaking through him and he's going to admonish the Christians in Rome say to them listen guys listen 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 wait wait wait, wait, wait guys don't present your members. Now, members talk about your ears, your eyes, your nose. It moves beyond that. talks about your giftings, your intellect, what you can do. What God has opened your eyes to do, your, your giftings, what you have working for you. The pluses of your life, the strength of your life. They are the members of your body. Bible says don't yield it or present it as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. You that Christian... That is so desperate about money. All you think about, the reason why you are here, is to make money. And you are telling me you are running a, a nightclub to make money. Pastor, I'm born again, but that's my work. Are you, will God bless you to populate and to increase the kingdom of hell? Put on your thinking caps. Is God pleased with you? Yeah, you make money. But is, is money all you came to make on earth? Is that why you are here? Present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. And of course, he also talks about body for fornication, mouth for gossip, ears for listening to gossip, mouth for bearing false witness against people. You concoct stories that you are not sure of. And you talk about it as if you are there. Don't yield your members. Don't present it as instrument of sin, of unrighteousness to sin. Now, everybody look at me. Please don't forget the line of thought. You would have expected that now, you would now say, but present those members to God, isn't it? But look at what the Bible says. Are we, are we together? If I told you, please, uh, excuse me, don't present your car for the devil to use. The next question is, present your car for God. Isn't that true? But the Bible says, but present yourself yourself first as being alive from the dead and your members not members first the trouble is somebody comes to church I've joined this church I love Koza alright but my problem is I'm not serving my problem is I can preach they're not letting me preach my problem is, I know what I brought here. You want to present your members. You want to present your gift. Anytime you are the one trying to make God use your gift. Go back to the first one. Present yourself. If you present yourself, he's the Lord of the house. He knows when to open the doors for you to serve. If you don't know this, you'll be moving from church to church. Now, you're going to see churches that immediately your tithe is high, they will ordain you. 
You are going to see churches that immediately you, you give pastor prophet's offering, they will embrace you and then give you a position. And then at the end of the day, the question will be, are you where the Holy Ghost wants you to be? Blessed is the man who when his master cometh, find him on the duty post. King James says, find him so doing. Am I against you serving? No. Am I against you teaching? No. But listen to me, God has a program for his church. Don't go where you are needed. Go where you are sent. Let me, let me take it deeper. Don't go where you are celebrated. Because there are doors, parts of hell, where they celebrate you to enter it. Go where the Lord sends you. Sometimes, they don't celebrate you early. Go there. The best place to be is not the gold mine. It's not the gold mine of South Africa. The best place to be is not the oil field of, of, of Saudi Arabia. The best place to be is to be in the center of God's will for your life. That's the best place to be. That's the best place to be. And in case the Lord has been using you, people didn't appreciate you. And then because people didn't appreciate you, you want to drop. Maybe God is testing your heart. Maybe. Maybe God is testing your heart. Because, listen to me, when you give, look up. Don't look at the face of the person you are giving to. Because God knows how to make the ravens to feed you. He knows how to send even a widow to you. God knows how to make you stand out. No man is your source. There are only resources around you. Don't ever mistake your resource for your source. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Am I making sense tonight? So therefore, you see some music person who says, well, I would have loved to stay in that church. But they're not using me. Number one, any church you get to, and the second day you got there, they gave you a microphone. There's something wrong. That's the way another new person will come, they will kick you out and give the person. There's something wrong. Assume you had first class in school. First class with asterisks. And then they took you as a staff at Pricewaterhouse. Or let me say, give me any organization. When you come in with this celebrity, you say, ah, first class student, come and be our MD. Is that what they're going to say? That's why the kingdom of the world is moving forward. They will first of all appreciate you for coming. They give you a letter of acceptance or employment that you accepted. They send you for training. Because your training in school is different from the assignment they want to give you right now. You can't be part of an organization you don't understand their vision and expect to excel there. I have loads and loads of letters in my office. Pastor Biodon, God wants me to work for you. Then I ask a few of them a question. And I appreciate that God will send you to me. Um, what is Koza doing? I don't know. I just want to follow you. I just want to be your pastor. Just employ me. About six months after we started this church. Was it up to six months? Four months. Some guy cried to my house. My mom was there. My fiancé was there. My younger brother was there. He cried to my house, knelt down, began to cry. I saw the son of man. I saw the son of man. I said, what did he do? He said, go to be with my son. I said, hey! Jesus told you to come to me? I was praying. That guy... <laughs> You can understand the story after. All my money, everything. Ah, Jesus sent someone to me. I was ready to look after him. To do everything. 
14 years after, I know better. So you can't come and bamboozle me with God said. I just told you one out of 1,000 stories. Are you following what I'm trying to say? My wife looked at him and said, See that, he's lying. I said, Ah, whether he's lying or he's saying the truth, forget. Tap your never say, Forget. <laughs> Maybe God is even trying to test me. My, my, my younger brother said, The way I look at this guy yeah, is lying. I did not want to take a chance until he proved himself wrong. I did not want to take a chance. But the truth of the matter is, if the organization is an organization, if it's going to last, there will be a process. There will be a process. And people hate process. People hate it. And people who hate process, they spoil organizations. Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. Now in case you're a pastor in the house, I beg you, have a process. Receive a process from God. It will save you pains. To save you pains. Untold pains. To save you a lot. How can you have someone on your board who don't know what God is asking the whole church to do? Or because you want people to stay with you. Listen, whoever has not been called to you will hurt you. They will hurt you. They will mess you up. So have a process. Glory be to God. So how did I get here? Jesus says to tell you, submit yourselves first. Submit yourself. It is safe. Let me shift from anybody. Let me shift to the carrier of the gift. It is also safe for you. People will not be able to manipulate you. Pastor will not be able to pastors will not be able to manipulate you. If you submit yourself, you submit yourselves first. Submit your life. Give yourself to God and let the Lord of the harvest give you an assignment in the harvest. Like that is going to be safe. One of my mentors, very gentleman, very good man, every year will go and pray. I mentioned a particular brother to God. I said, God, is this person coming on my leadership this year? And God will say, no. He felt so embarrassed because this guy was very active, was very consistent, was very committed with his money, with his family. So he became embarrassed. So after many years, this guy became a director for a particular mission. And then after like five years, came back to visit the church. And this pastor was still guilty and said to him, sir, I don't know how to bring this up. All the while you were in our church, I felt so bad. Each year, we would ordain other people, and God would not have me ordain you. The man said, I, I really struggled with it too. I felt probably you didn't like me until God opened my eyes and said to me, I have another assignment for you. And if you could take the assignment here, it's not going to open you up for that one. He said, look at what God is using me to do right now. If I had received this one, I wouldn't have been able to do that one. That is a spiritual man who gave himself to God and waited for the Lord of the others to tell him, this is the part I want you to be part of. Can somebody shout hallelujah? The Christian walk is a purely spiritual walk. When you enter flesh with it, you're going to enter trouble. It's a purely spiritual walk work. Can somebody shout hallelujah? So when do I offer my gifts? After I have given myself to God. If your focus is how can I be used? How can I do this? I'm feeling empty. I'm feeling on you. Listen, 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 listen. Give yourself to God. You can't give what you don't have. Some people think when I join the workforce I'll be a better Christian. That may be your fastest route to hell. 
Because the things you didn't know about church before you were here. You will see all the mistakes. You see the back end. That may be your fastest route to hell. If you've not given your heart to God, somebody will divert you. Am I making sense here? Oh, it's getting quiet in this Pentecostal church. Should I change the message? You need to be very careful. You are sitting now listening to the word, the walkers, the security outside. If they've not given themselves to God, they're still struggling. How can they gain like you're gaining? If they've not inculcated the habit of listening to the word every morning. I cannot wake up without listening to the word. I don't only prepare to preach. I must feed my spirit. Pastor Biodon, have you ever done it before that you didn't feed your spirit a lot? What happened to you? I entered trouble. Because Christianity is not designed for you to be walking your strength and be, and be putting a religious facade. It is the strength you take in that makes you fly. Try to use your car without fuel. It will pack up. So, you, until you learn how to observe your tank and go and refuel, if you've not learned the art of entering petrol station, your car is likely to be jacking on the road. There are some Christians that have not learned the art. So such cars cannot, such Christians cannot be used as a worker. Why do you drop, why do you get a lot of, you tell people to fill forms and then you drop people as workers? You drop this, listen, have you ever heard it before? That anybody complained about the members of any church? That brother is a 419 and is a member of the team. Have you heard it before? Everybody will tell you, shut up. Anybody can attend the church. They say he's a member of the workforce of Kusa. How did he get there? It's a paradox. You expect them to screen them before they get there. And when they screen them, you say, that church, what is wrong with them? Why are they rejecting people? Talk to me. Glory be to God. Tap your neighbor and say, leave your Lord to assign the task to you. Come on, say that again, say that again. In serving the Lord better, number one, offer yourself to God. Number two, offer yourself in your present circumstance. What was the first thing? Offer yourself. Forget about where you are going to be used or where you are not going to be used. Forget about position or anything. Just give yourself to God. Those are the types that the Lord lifts up. Number two, offer yourself to God in your circumstance. In your present circumstance. And I'm just going to give you a few examples. Look at Joseph. The young boy was minding his business. It was God that showed him that he was going to be ruling over nations. And his brothers will bow before him. This man will remind his business. The Bible says he dreams yet another dream. How many of you, when you want to sleep, you plan a dream? You know what? <laughs> I'm going to dream that I would. No, 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 dreams come. And because they had not had the Holy Spirit indwelling them in those days, they, were, they couldn't be led by the Spirit. God led them practically in those days by showing them visions by the night. This guy was so sure of what God showed him. They were so real to him. How many of you have had a dream before? You woke up in the middle of the dream and you, was, you were running and sweating. And then you woke up, you saw the sweat on your body. Nobody could argue with you. You knew something happened in the spirit realm. Joseph knew beyond a doubt that the dream the Lord showed him 
was going to come to pass. But his brother beat upon him. And then they sold him as a slave. To, 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 to tone down his self-esteem. He was sold as a slave. When this guy entered Egypt, he entered, with, he entered in chains. And when he got to the house of Potiphar, he was not just the chief servant, he was the least because he just came. But this guy offered himself to God in his present circumstance. How many of us will say, well, I would have served God, I would have been part of the workforce, I would have been part of this, oh, I wish I was like this, I wish this were my condition, I would have served God better. Listen to me, that is an illusion that you will never overcome. There is no better time than now to serve God. A dear lady came to me, my wife and I, on Sunday, and was telling us how that, wow, the Sunday message was just a reawakening. That she felt better, like when she just gave her life to Christ. That is not as if she sinned, but marriage, bearing children, are taking some things away from her. Some of you are single right now, and you're not serving God. When you get married and start to have kids, whether you're a man or a woman, if you don't serve God right now, it's going to grow worse because your responsibilities will be more. There's no better time than now to serve God. No matter your circumstance, Pastor Peter, I don't have a job. Pastor Peter, I live in someone's house. Listen to me. Do you know the benefits of working for God? Do you know the benefits? You know what God said in the Bible? He said, never in your life muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads the corn. If you make anything happen in the kingdom, you must first of all be the partaker. That's what the Bible says. And God says, if you have money to pay the wages of your, of your workers today, he said, don't postpone it till tomorrow. He said, if you do that, you are sinning against me. If God says that, why will he withhold your wages? He said, behold, I cometh, and my, I come quickly, and my reward is in my hand. To give everyone according, to give them reward according to their labor. Each man shall give account. Of the way they have spent their life while they were in the flesh. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Tap your neighbor and say there's no better time to serve God than now. No matter what you don't have. You don't have a car. There's no better time. You don't have clothes. There's no better time. You don't have the comfort you should have had. There is no better time than now. Because God is not getting ready to share his glory with anybody. If you want to serve God better, now is the time. God does not say tomorrow. God does not say day after. Imagine you going to God and saying to God, God, I need your help. He says, um, you know, I answered Pastor Bjorn to the cup tomorrow. No, he says today is the day of salvation. It's only human beings that postpone till tomorrow. And Bible says now faith is. Faith is always in the present. Faith is never in the future. Faith is always in the present test. If you know you love the Lord, now is the time to serve God better. In that circumstance, in that situation, when things aren't working, when things aren't on the surface like they're supposed to, when everything is not running on rails like you planned them, now is the time to serve God. Joseph was there. And then, as he was serving God in integrity of heart, he was not bitter. He was not like, well, since God has forsaken me and allowed my brothers to do me like this, I can do anything I want. Even the mother, the woman of the house was loving on him. Setting his eyes on him. And this guy will not even offend God in his service. Still serving in integrity in the middle of that circumstance. How many of us will say, well, even God knows I've tried. Even God knows. Since when I was 18, my father neglected us. And you have all these reasons for doing the things that are standing between you and your destiny. Joseph was not like that. In that circumstance, he made up his mind to serve God even better. The woman lied against him. It is only you and I that know the story, the true story. They used to wear robes in those days. The woman grabbed his cloth. He was even going to let go of his cloth. 
and then went out half naked. And when he was, he, Potiphar was talking, he said, sir, can I talk, sir? Potiphar said, talk. He said, sir, believe me, I'm a man of God. Believe me, I didn't do it. Potiphar said, look at the proof. How did your clothes get to my wife? Before I left work today, this was the clothes you were wearing. I mean, if it was another clothes, I would have said maybe she went into your closet. This was the clothes you were wearing. Where is the clothes you were wearing today? So, on this account, that you are even denying prison. How many of you have been sent to prison like that? For things you can't explain. For things that everybody believes. How many of you have sent to prison of melancholy? Prison of, of self-condemnation? Prison of... How many of you have been sent into... You lost your job and you know that you didn't know anything about that thing. On that account, what did you do? You got to church, you were bitter. I've served God all my life. I've done this. Is this my reward? No! Joseph entered the prison like that. What was the jail time of Joseph? Life imprisonment. Life. This guy didn't see the hope of him ever fulfilling the dreams he saw. Yet, he said God in the circumstance. Touch your neighbor. Say, in this circumstance, I will serve God. I don't know about you. Come on, find a new neighbor if they're not yielding to you. Say, in this circumstance, I will serve God. I'm not waiting for things to be better. I'm not waiting for things to go to, 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 to go to another level. In this circumstance, no matter what I'm going through, I am going to trust God. Even if it slays me, I'm going to trust God and serve God and yield to God and not to the devil that wrote the script to, 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 to distract me. You know, the devil wrote the script for some people. Put, put, put a role for them. And they are playing the role so perfectly. He knew at some point you were going to be depressed. He knew when you were going to say, I'm not doing again. He knew when you were going to pull away. And then he wants to exempt you, call you out to be alone so he can deal with you. Hit your Bible say, no! No matter what you are dealing with, in any circumstance, I will serve God. Joseph served God so much that one day the jailer said, Joseph, I'm going to sleep. When you are done, lock the jail. You don't give the keys of the jail to a prisoner. We're serving God faithfully. Ladies and gentlemen, don't think Joseph was operating in the position upon gift. Joseph will wake up and pray like a Jewish man. He will study the Torah, even in the prison. When last did you read your Bible? Just because you didn't get the visa. You've not prayed for weeks. What is visa? that God wants to give nations. In the prison, the man will wake up and read his Bible. I can imagine Joseph in the 21st century. Not even a money will wake, will catch him. That they will not, prisoners will hear his tongues. I'm just painting the 21st century picture. Karabakato satapaya. Praying. Where did Apostle Paul write the book of Philippians? In the prison. With chains in his hands. He looked through the windows of the prison and shouted, I can do all things in chains. Satan said, man, this guy cannot be chained though. But you and this morning, hey, I will just backslide. Like that. Listen, for, listen. Glory be to God. I said, Glory be to God. Say, Glory be to God. Started to serve God. Let me give you an interesting example about Apostle John. 
History also tells. I don't want to go into history because it's not written in the Bible. But they did some things to him. He didn't die. Because there was an assignment for his life. And then they decided to give him the greatest punishment. If they had crucified him, he would die immediately. They decided to take him to a prison. They called the place an open prison. A prison where, as they throw you there, you'll be dying bit by bit. It's a desert. It's an isle. Surrounded by water, you, you couldn't leave the place. Crocodiles, strange animals all over in the water. Shark! And then terrible animals all over the trees, everywhere. So even the fear of death would have killed you before death came. So they dumped him there and said bye-bye to him. They were sure he was going to die. Please don't read your Bible like it's not real. Don't read your Bible like they have a ten-footer Holy Ghost and you have a two-footer Holy Ghost. The same Holy Ghost inside John is the same Holy Ghost inside of you. They are men of like passion. They had families. They had issues. They had feelings like you and I. If they dumped you in that kind of place, what would have been the first thing? Look at John, the one that the Lord loves. If this happens to the one whom the Lord loves, who then shall be saved? The Bible says he was the most spoiled among the disciples. Always putting his head at the, on the, at the, at the chest of Jesus Christ. Oh, he couldn't survive without him. Now he must have heard things that were intimate. When Jesus Christ was going to leave, he handed, over, he handed over his ministry to Peter, but his mother to John. It was the closest to him. And then, they dumped him there. He must have thought, is this all this ministry is all about? So all the empty promises of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it was this, it was that. No, I, I said it. All this is an illusion. John must have felt like that. But the Bible says in Revelations 1.12 that John became in the spirit on the Lord's day. The word was, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The word was is the Greek word ginomai. That means to change state. The Bible says it became in the spirit. Suddenly it switched off and switched to the spirit. Yes, he's been walking in fear. He's been crying, missing his baby, missing his wife, missing his children, and then thinking about all the negative things, just like you and I are doing right now, because of the circumstance. But suddenly, God helped him, and in the circumstance, he switched to the Spirit. I did not believe that Jesus Christ was just standing beside him that day. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. He was there, but he could not hear, he could not see. Never believe those who call God's voice a tiny, small voice. The voice is tiny because you are far from Him. The voice is tiny because of proximity. But when He switched to the Spirit, He said, I became the word worse. Go and check your strong exhaustive dictionary. The word worse here is the Greek word ginomai. It means to switch. I became in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It wasn't a Sunday morning. Every day is the Lord's day. But the day you connect with God is the Lord's day for you. Can somebody shout hallelujah? For somebody today is the Lord's day for you. And the devil is in trouble for you. The devil will cry over you. He is terrified already right now. Because you are coming out of this all a thousand times better. If I'm talking about you, shout hallelujah. Then he heard the voice of God. Like the chorus of many lions. Like a loud voice as a trumpet. Ah. Who did he see? He saw the resurrected Lord. And out of it, he was switched to heaven. 
How to look at the beautiful experience the Lord wanted to give to a man who decided to yield to him in his circumstance. You don't even know what God is up to. Instead of you to ask why, ah, why Lord, why am I going through this? Ask Lord, what are you doing with this circumstance? What do you want to show me in this circumstance? Your boyfriend said bye bye to you, and because of that, you don't want to come to church again. I, I don't want to see him in the same church. Come on, get off the flesh. It's not easy, but switch to God and see what God will do. If you honor God, see what God will do. Yeah, I lost my job. I'm a faithful tither. I even kneel down when I give my tithe. Oh, that stand up. Listen, do you know if you if you if you say I love God, heaven doesn't just mark it, it will be tested. After after Abraham walked with God for twenty five years, Genesis twenty two, God said to Abraham, Now I know. God that knows all things. He doesn't just accept it. After testing, he said, Now I know. In blessing I will bless you, in multiplying I will multiply you, in this I will do this. He couldn't do it until Abraham passed the test. Maybe, just maybe, what you're dealing with is just a test of the heart. The Bible says he took them and, and, and brought, them to, brought them to the wilderness, brought water out of the flinty rock. He did this to prove their heart and to do them good in the end. To do them good in the end. Deuteronomy 8. To do them good in the end. To prove their heart and do them good in the end. Glory be to God. Point your prophetic finger at your neighbor. Say, the end of this matter shall be good. If only I wasn't sick, I would serve God better. If only I didn't have the financial struggles, I would serve God better. If only my husband was a Christian, I would have served God better. Listen, in your circumstance, it's time to serve God. What about Moses? He had passion for the oppressed. He had passion for the slaves. And decided to help them. Decided to step out and enter trouble. And for 40 years, his, years, his life was miserable. But he yielded to God in the circumstance. Good enough. He was in the house of a priest. So he was serving the man as unto the Lord. He was serving God. Learned many, many things from the man because all the education he had from Egypt, the architectural education, the war education, the, 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 the royal education, and how a king should, uh, should coordinate himself, the pomps and pageantry of a royal person, he dumped them and began to learn the things of God. He did himself to God. And suddenly, he saw something he's never seen before. So a bush burning and the bush wasn't consumed. And he had a face-to-face encounter with Jehovah, the Almighty himself. Because he yielded himself to God. And a man who ran from Egypt came back as a deliverer. I don't know where you left. After the service, you are going back there. A thousand times better. That amen is not correct though. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Number one, yield yourself first to God. What's number two? Ah, I didn't hear you. I wish I heard you. In circumstances, offer yourself in the circumstance where you're. Number three, offer yourself in all that you do. 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 How many hours do we have in in a day? 24 hours. Let's say eight hours you, you go to work. Somebody's saying, I wish it was just eight hours. The possibility of mine is ten. Let's just assume it's eight hours. Eight hours to sleep. I wish I could sleep for eight hours. Maybe yours is four. But let's just assume eight hours. Remaining the rest of eight hours. Maybe you spend one hour driving to work. You spend one hour eating. Hmm? Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Let's say one hour. 
I marked for that. You spend one hour with your family. Huh? You spend one hour going to the bank, miscellaneous markets, all those things. How much of hours do you spend with God? How much of hours do you spend in the service of God? If you thought all I am talking about is about the workforce, you've missed the whole point of this message. Because the best of workers, how many hours do they spend in a week for God? Even if they went to church every day, how many hours of the 24 hours do they spend if it's the workforce duty to God? If the workforce duty as an usher, as, as an H&H member, as a protocol, is what you count as service for God, then the, 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 the fraction of your life you have offered to God is not safe for you to meet God eternally. Because your work will be tested after you've entered in. That fraction is not enough. Let's think about our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you every time you're saying Jesus, put Lord in front. It makes a different meaning that is your Lord than the fact that it was just Jesus. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Can we look at the example of our Lord Jesus Christ? Our Lord Jesus Christ did not start ministry until when he was 30. The first 20 years of his life he was a carpenter. And he was ministry to his mother. Helping his mom and his father as a carpenter. And then when he entered ministry, he was only able to do public ministry for just three years. And the Bible says he pleased the Lord with his life all through. That the father was pleased. Before he started ministry, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased as a carpenter. Talk to me. Heaven opened. Not what people felt. There was a voice from heaven. And God said, this, this one is my beloved son in whom I'm not just pleased. I am well pleased. Not as a pastor. Not as a miracle worker. Never done any miracle. Never done anything. As a carpenter. Serving God. So if you limit it to work of the ministry, you are not getting what I'm saying. What are you supposed to do? First Corinthians 10, 31. You're sleeping, you're driving to church, you're driving to work, and you're eating. The Bible says, look at 1 Corinthians 10, 31. If you don't read it, you're a suspect. Clear your throat. Everybody, we are going to read it. Ready? Read. Or whether you, or whatever you, or whatever you, do all to, do all to, it sounds like a simple statement, but you will give account on this scripture. They won't say, uh-huh, so how did you do your shri job? Imagine God asking that question in heaven. That would be unfair. You only did Oshri for three hours on Sunday, three hours on Tuesday. Six hours a week out of 168 hours of the week. That's unfair. So what God is saying is, as you drive home tonight, somebody cries, ah, yeah, they cry, what did they do you? Give me that scripture, give me that scripture, give me that scripture. 
If you are sitting near that person, please, is that to the glory of God? Sweetheart, I respect you. But how did that give God glory? There was a church we went to preach in America. I landed there before my wife landed. No, my wife landed there before I landed. The guy that was sent to the airport was not trained. He joined the church. It was available. They said, you go and pick the guest minister's wife. The guy was driving. and was giving someone a finger. <laughs> my wife just told me, I don't see. Now that you are here, just tell all these your protocols to stay. I don't want to see them. I said, what's wrong? The, I, she said, I've never seen anything like that in my life. So, I told the pastor, I don't mean to report this guy. I'm family. Imagine this guy doing this to just anybody. This guy needs to be trained. He needs to yield himself to God before he yields his gift to God. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, wherever you find yourself, Whatever you do. Are you a security man here? Are you a security man where you walk? As you open the doors for everybody. Do it to the glory of God. You're welcome. God bless you. You are lifted. If God bless you, we offend them. Don't say it. I celebrate you. Ah, what's there? Who doesn't want to be celebrated? Ah, they will say that. That God. That I celebrate you God. Bring him to our embassy. That's how you will move. As you're there, even though your work is very bizarre, that, that, that guy is full of life. Let's send him on training. You're wondering why your life is stuck. Thinking they hate me because I'm a Christian and the, the witches in my village. You are the first witch of your life. Because what you are doing, you're not doing it to the glory of God. Listen, guys, when you give God glory with your life, the speed you will encounter. It's very important. There was a king. He gave a speech. And people said, Car! This guy can talk. His words are the words of God. God didn't have a problem with that. But God waited for five minutes for him to give glory to him. He didn't give glory to God. God killed him. Many businesses have been killed. Many careers killed. Many gifts killed. Many Christians pled to because they've not learned how their life should give glory to God. Pastor Biodo, I've made mistakes before. That's why I'm here. The reason why you are hearing this message is because there is hope for you. God can give you a brand new slate, a new chalk to rewrite your life starting from this moment. Listen to me. Anytime you check your breath and it's still there in your nostril, there is hope. If a tree be cut down, it can blossom again. It doesn't matter what you've been before. It doesn't matter what has happened. Now that you have heard the message, there are two choices before you. Are you going to walk out of this place remaining the same? Or you're going to say, wow, what's today's date? Today is going to be the first day of the rest of my life. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Now, please give me five minutes and let me just look at that scripture again. Because the next time I may not feel like talking about it. I'm talking about Romans 6, 13. I want to look at the last part and just show you one or two things as we close. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself. 
yourself. Self-leadership is the best leadership. Anybody can control people. What about you? A man who does not have rulership over his spirit is like a city with a broken wall. A city with a wall. Do you actually do what you want to do? Or you end up not doing it? Do you have control? When you say, Lord, I will do this, do you eventually do it? When you say, Lord, count on me that I will do that, do you eventually do it? Do you have control over yourself? When you feel like this in church, when you get home, do you feel like that? Do you, do you carry God on a consistent basis? And the Bible says, but present yourselves to, to God as being alive from the dead. Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. When I was studying the scripture, I didn't need to bring up an astronaut to think about Lazarus. The man who was dead for days and been alive from the dead. Ladies and gentlemen, some of us in this place, by the time Jesus showed up and we came to Koza and we got to the churches where we were saved, our family member said, don't bother. By now, she must be stinking. By now, he must be stinking. That was the word you heard. That was how you related to yourself. That by now, I might be stinking. There's no hope for me. Nobody will marry me. Look at you. Someone has married you now. When you got married, oh, I've aborted. I don't think I will ever have a child. Look at your child right now. See what God has done. See his faithfulness in your life. By now, with the ego you have spoken. Ah, you shouldn't even, you have memory again. Look at you now. You had a branch. You have a good job. God raised you from the dead. Coordinate yourself like somebody that the world has given up over. The world has switched you. They have locked you up. They bound you with the cloth of the dead. They said by now you must be stinking. But Jesus called you by name and called you forth. Look at you right now. You are alive. You ought to be grateful. You ought to be grateful. In John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12 from verse 9. I close on this note. John chapter number 12 from verse 9. Jesus Christ went to the house of, of Simon the leper to do dinner in Bethany. So when he got to Bethany and then a rich man in the city invited him, he looked at his prayer partners and his family friend. I said, you guys come along with me. And he invited Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Look at what the Bible says here. I want to read from verse 9 to 11. Now a great many of, a great many of, of the Jews knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but they came that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Listen, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like the Bible says, but the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also. And the Bible says, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Listen to me, everybody. Listen close, everybody. Listen close. Jesus was the one preaching at the dinner, speaking at the dinner. Lazarus sat down, did not utter a word, but his life was preaching a better message than the message of Jesus Christ. I know that I have Lazaruses in the house today. People that were stinking, people that were down and out. You look like a traffic light the first day you came to Koza, even though you've never stood there to share your testimony. But people have looked at you in your neighborhood and they say, wow. I don't know about Pastor Biodo's message. I don't know about him. But this girl, this man, this boy, his life has changed. Look at the new job. Look at the new car. Look at the new family. Look at how God has lifted him up. You are the best testimony of this church. 
it's possible you never preach a message in this church, but if he's preaching a better message, but look at this, they will plot for you. Because seeing you come in the church, believing in me, believing in the church, putting the stick on your car, is making people to believe in the church. So they won't only plot to kill Jesus, the pastor. They will also plot for you. Because people are not only listening to Pastor Bill's message, they are listening to you also. Question as I close. Is your life preaching the right message? At work? How are you serving God? Is he preaching a good message? Oh, they say, wow, I listen to that man. He preaches well. I love the church. His church members. That would not be your portion. Let us pray. I want you to talk to God yourself. It is not a message you hear and you are walking out. You need to pray. You need to pray. Tell God to help you. Tell God to help you. Tell God to help you. You know the reason why some of us don't receive? We don't ask. Tell God to help you. Begin to mention and say, Lord, I have been delivered from the gates of hell. I have been delivered from the power of darkness. And I embrace the kingdom of, of your dear son. I declare that I belong to Jesus. I declare that I belong to Jesus. Somebody declare it. And say, I am not my own. I belong to Jesus. I declare that I belong to Jesus. Jesus, you own me. That is my assurance. I know I have my frailties. But my assurance is I belong to Jesus. And I know you will come for your own every day. I know you will protect your own. Pray that prayer. Say, I have left the world. I have embraced the kingdom. I am not my own. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. So that my gifts can be profitable in the kingdom. I surrender my time to you. I surrender my all to you. I surrender all that I have to you. I surrender my being to you. I surrender my money to you. I surrender my my intellect to you, oh God. I want to serve you better. Help me to serve you better. Pray that prayer. Jesus, help me. Help me. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, help me. If you pray that prayer, you will feel grace where you are. If you pray that prayer, we may not be able to end the service because I sense that today's service will be something else. If you pray that prayer genuinely, there will be an outpouring in this place because God says, if you come to me, I can no wise cast you away. Pray that prayer. Help me to serve you better. Help me to serve you better. Begin to pray a prayer of consecration. Say in this circumstance, I yield myself to you. Like Joseph, in this circumstance, I yield myself to you. Hey, like Moses, hey, no matter what I'm going through, I decide to yield myself to you. I refuse to yield my members as instrument of unrighteousness. I say bye-bye to sin because I'm serving you better. Welcome to the wealthy plane. Begin to pray, say, I reckon myself dead to sin. 
I reckon myself dead to greed. I reckon myself dead to fornication and adultery. I reckon myself in the name of Jesus. I put on Christ. In the name of Jesus. I put on everything that Christ has made available for me by his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Pray that prayer. Begin to declare the things you're struggling with. Say in the name of Jesus, I'm dead to you. For the Bible says the world is crucified to me and I am crucified to the world. Be bold to mention it. I'm crucified to greed. I'm crucified to malice. In the name of Jesus, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. I embrace the new. In the name of Jesus. Take 
Holy Revival. 